coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. I had a situation in my marriage. I like fell back into porn. Try to explain it to her. I was like, I don't know why, you know, I'm just this little rubber band and I keep snapping back and I trying to cut it. I'm absolutely terrified of falling back. I know, but not terrified enough to do something. You're just sitting there being terrified. This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. And why are we yelling? I don't know. It's a good day. Having a good day. Hope you're having a good day wherever you happen to be. You've survived Thanksgiving. And you're a few weeks out from Christmas. And hey, let's be super realistic. For some of you, this is the, your favorite time of the year. It's incredible. Some of you, this is not. This is a really tough season. You are... Um, you looked over and saw an empty seat at the Thanksgiving table and you are anticipating there being a few Christmas presents, fewer under the tree because someone you love is not there anymore. Um, or you have to deal with in-laws or family or parents or whoever that um, have caused you a lot of grief. Wherever you happen to be, don't forget you're worth taking care of this holiday season. You're worth laughing. You're worth having boundaries and taking care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Okay? Make sure you love yourself during this holiday season. And honestly, the best way we can love ourselves during the season is to make sure we got friends around us. Make sure we are serving other people. Make sure we're taking care of our bodies, right? Sleeping, eating right, moving, even though it's freezing outside. Do those things. Get in sunlight when you can. Whew. Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. And if this is your favorite time of year, well, fooey on you. I'm eh, just kidding. I love it too. All right. Hey, um, I had a note. Let me pull up my, my internet papers here. Internet papers. Is that a thing? I don't think that's a thing. I think those are polar opposites. I think the internet came to replace paper. Um, way to go, internets. So I got a, 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 a <laughs> some guy's wife, Laura, slid into my DMs and she said, I said that badly. I, said I it told bad. you to stop saying that. I said it bad. I didn't mean to say, I mean, I meant to say it, but I didn't mean it to be grody, but it did make me laugh. So this incredible listener um, sent me a direct message on Instagrams and, um, she said her husband is made some incredible life changes, but a big fan of the show, and um, that they read uh, On Your Past, Change Your Future together, and that he is making some major break the cycle changes. And she wanted to know if I would be able to autograph a book and send it for Christmas. And I said, yes, and let's, let's um, one-up that. Let's give this dude a call. And um, so I'm going to give him a buzz. I'm going to give David a call. So uh, hang on one second. I'm going to dial the number up. What if he doesn't answer? This is David. Hey, David. Yes. This is John from the Dr. John Deloney Show, man. What are you doing? Are you kidding me? No, man. This is me. What are you doing? Dude, I'm working. <laughs> why are you doing that? Oh, because it's Monday. That's why. It's a good idea. Hey, are things going well? Oh, dude. They're going amazing. Hey, so... Uh, this is kind of tripping you out and I know that. So I haven't used your last name uh, and I'm recording this. You can tell me off air, Hey, you can't use this, but okay. here's what I wanted to let you know. Your wife reached out and she's awesome. And in a nutshell, she said that you have been on a journey the last few years and have been about breaking some major cycles and that she is so freaking proud of you. And wow. she asked, um, she asked if I would send an autographed book. She wanted to give it to you for Christmas. And so I was like, absolutely. But more than that, I wanted to just to talk to a fellow guy who's trying to figure it out like me. 
and um, let you know that I'm really grateful to know there's guys like you out there grinding it and determined to make what comes next better than what happened in the past. And um, so I just want to give you a shout out, dude, and tell you I love you and I'm grateful for you, man. Oh my word. Are you kidding me? Thank you so much, man. Yeah, man. So t- tell me about what you've, been, what you've been working on. Uh, I've been working on trying to change my family tree, sir. What's that mean? Um, just, just being present, just, just making a decision. And like you said, and like you advise giving myself grace to practice it. What's the, what's the, what's probably the number one thing you're working on practicing right now? That I need to be whole to be a good husband, Man. that I need to take care of me and it's okay to take care of yourself. Um, and I do it by not comparing myself to others, but to comparing myself to who I was yesterday. Bro, dude, that's amazing. And you married well, you did good. Oh my word. I married a amazing redheaded, beautiful Midwest gal. (laughs) And then you drug her to California, man. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think, uh, it hit us when we parked the U-Haul in California and we looked at each other and said, <laughs> you know, as you would say, not, not by my hand, but in my lap. There right? you go. There's a great song by <laughs> one of my favorite bands ever, Social Distortion, called Bakersfield. You should check it out. Um, okay. The whole song is about wanting to get home and we're stuck in Bakersfield and it just seems to never end. But oh, to everyone listening to Bakersfield, we love you. It's cool. It's a great farming community there in, uh, in uh, California. But hey, in all seriousness, I'm I'm truly grateful for you. I want you to hang on the line so that Jenna can get your info and I'll send you and uh, Laura some stuff um, just as a gift, just for saying Dude, thank you for being one of those those men in, in the world who are making some changes. Is that awesome? I appreciate that. You guys going to have a good holiday yes, season? Sir. Oh man, we're going to have a great holiday season. And sir, I'm going to send you an email to keep me accountable because I'm trying to do a half marathon this year. Or uh, early May. Dude, a boy, man. Get on it then. Yes, sir. Get on, hey, we'll, yes, sir. Uh, we'll post your picture. When you cross the finish line, is that cool? Oh, dude, are you kidding me? Yes. But hey, we're going to have, Laura's going to send a picture of you just eating nachos on the couch (laughs) if you don't end up running, okay? Either way, a picture of you is getting posted. You get to pick which one it is, all right? But hey, I'm grateful for you, my man, and um, thanks for uh, letting us shout you out on the air here. It's awesome. This is David from California and his awesome wife, Laura, who didn't slide into my DMs. She just sent me a message. Um breaking the cycle changes. It's incredible. And hey, um, right now at johndeloney.com, own your past, change your future, um, redefining anxiety, all the questions for humans cards, man. Um, they are on super sale for the holidays. Go pick them up. If you've got some books you want to pass out to some of your friends and family over Christmas, that's fantastic. Um, if you want to learn how to talk to your kids again or people at work or you just want to survive the holidays without talking about COVID and the elections. Oh, geez. Hey, go over to johndeloney.com and pick those things up. All right, let's go to Patrick in Salem, Virginia. What's up, Patrick? Hey, John. Thank you for having me on. You got um, it, man. I've Thanks been... for uh, hanging out. You get to you got to see how the sausage is made. If you if you call into the show and just we put you on hold for a while, or, or we I think we called you and put you on hold for a while, you get to hear <laughs> what a disaster I am behind, uh, behind the scenes, right? Oh, it's all good. Thank, thank goodness for editing, right? Oh, you have no idea, man. You have no idea. <laughs> um, uh, so what's up? Um, so my question is, um, how do I have a healthy relationship with work? 
And, uh, there's a kind of a long backstory to that, that we can kind of dig through a little bit, but, uh, long story short, I tend to get into this cycle where I'm super excited about a job. I love the new career opportunity. And then like six months into it, I'm like, eh, this is awful. I don't like this anymore. And then I get burned out, um, frustrated. And then I, I tap out and leave. Um, I'm really tired of that cycle and I want to break out of it, but I don't really know how. Oh man. How old are you? I'm 26. Okay. This is one of those rare moments in my life when I get to talk to 26 year old me. Okay. And I have, Oh my gosh, man, I can get pretty emotional about this. Um, I'm going to give you like a, a conversation direct from my heart. Is that cool? Yep. That, that works for me because I'm talking to myself at 26. 26 is when I got my um, first big fancy job in, at a university. And I think it was three or four months in that I started applying for another job and then for another one and then for another one. And then I got so obsessed with applying for other jobs. And then I finally got one. And then I got there and within five to six months, I was already applying for something else. And then I was looking for something else. I was looking for something else, right? And then I ended up imploding. In counseling, we call it the tyranny of accomplishing all of your dreams. And the problem is you are looking for somewhere, something to make you feel like you are worth being alive. And that thing doesn't exist. Whether that's a new romantic partner, whether that's a new car, whether that's a new job. And you show up with the best of intentions because this is going to be the one and you get after it and you realize right when you get there that you went with you. Right? Yeah. Yep. And you get bored and you get annoyed. And so tell me if I'm wrong here. And man, feel free to tell me I'm wrong. Here was my special gift. You ready? I would get mm -hmm. bored. I not Not bored. That's not right. I would get disillusioned. I thought it would feel different making X amount of dollars. I thought it would feel different having such and such title. I thought it would feel different having these type of meetings or being included at this level instead of that level, right? Yep. And so what I would do is I would begin to slowly make the people around me my enemy. And I would get annoyed by their jokes that weren't very funny. Or I would find one little place where I thought I wouldn't handle it like that. I would do it like this. Or if there was, I wouldn't say a moral black and white failure. There's all obviously those, but they're gray. Mm -hmm. And I would make the gray super black and white so that I could begin to create space, giving me permission to leave with my head held high because I am this martyr here making this big right decision. And I'm out of here. And I'm going to the next thing. Yep. That, that, you must have had somebody following me for the last six years because that's, Pretty much exactly. <laughs> no, I'm just recounting my life. <laughs> I'm recounting my life. So uh, there's a couple of things to, at play here, but ultimately it starts with an identity shift. Okay. Here's a couple of the major identity shifts I'm going to make. One of them was, came from a mentor of mine. Um, I, I consider him one of the smartest, most brilliant, wise minds I've ever had the opportunity to be uh, in contact with. And he was a, I'd, I'd consider him a spiritual mentor. He's someone I have gone to in the past for a quandaries about ethical and moral decisions in my life. 
He posed this question one time and it was, it was kind of like a dagger to me. He said, what if you lived your life like you would never move, like you couldn't ever move? What conversations would you have then? What, um, what would you do to improve the relationships in your life? What would you do to change the way you presented yourself at work and in your marriage and in your neighborhood? Because if we are at your church, right? Because if it's always like, oh, I don't like it, I'm out of here. Um, then we are never going to be settled. And so when I took this job, my current one, I made a choice. I'm going to be here. And so I can honestly say for the first time in my life, I have not applied for another job since I've been here. Okay. Right? It's a choice I made. It's an identity. I'm going to be here. Now, there may come a day when I got to go. Or I get <laughs> more likely I get asked to leave. Um, but I am, I am going to put both of my feet here. And what that's meant is I've had to seek validation, seek well-being, seek wellness elsewhere. That means that I've had to make peace with me. And that has sucked. And that has meant I've had to have some very difficult and challenging conversations with my wife. I've had to become a different dad. I've had to go to counseling. I've had a coach that I've met with regularly just to walk through different decisions and thought processes. I've had to, to really become laser disciplined with my exercise and diet. I've had to do a lot of internal work and make some major changes in my life. Um, I've had to really get serious about my spiritual life. I've had to just make some internal changes because I'm not relying on some external job to, to, to try to make me whole because it can't do that. Does that make sense? That, that makes perfect sense. So what job are you doing right now? Um, so currently I'm a, a package handler for, uh, for FedEx. Okay. And um, tomorrow I start orientation for um, a checker position at uh, Coca-Cola. Oh, so you've already quit so, that job and you're on to the next? Um, it's, it's a part-time job. So okay. it's not paying me enough to, uh, to pay the mortgage. So okay. I got to yeah, do something else. Um, are you married? So, yeah, I'm, I am married, yes. You have little ones? Uh, no kids yet. Has your wife started getting that exhale when you come home with a new scheme or a new plan or a new reason why you got to leave this job? Um, we haven't hit that point yet with this job. Um, no, 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 no. I'm talking about been... she's been with you for six years. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was a kind of big, big conversation we were having about a year and a half ago. Let me tell you why that's devastating. To her. This is devastating to her. And I don't want to guilt you or shame you, but I just want to paint you a bigger picture because right now all you're doing is staring at your belly button. And I know because I was there. <laughs> She's also wondering, what about me? Mm -hmm. When does he wake up and get bored with me? When does he wake up and decide he needs another one of me too? And if you're being honest, you've had that thought as well. And she can feel it on you. Fair? I mean, I, Fair? I haven't quite had that Fair? thought, but it, I can see how it could lead there, yes. That was the most, you were, sheesh. Okay, <laughs> I'll give you that one, but you know. Um, I didn't realize how unsettled, how every time my wife started to put roots in the ground, I would cut, I would sever them. 
And for me, looking for another job, looking for another place, looking for another opportunity was sport. For her, it was just ripping the plant out of the pot again, ripping the plant out of the pot again. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how hard her heart was pumping every day just to try to have some semblance of normalcy because she didn't know where her flighty, flaky husband was going to drag her off to next. Either emotionally or spiritually or actually like, let's move this from this city and go somewhere else. And so that same thing I'm putting out on on your wife that I, I did to my wife, it's happening to you too. And so the first thing what you do is to resettle your identity. I'm going to be a guy who sticks around. I'm going to be a guy that uses that all that energy to, I'm out of here. I'm looking for a new job. I'm going to use that energy to be the best freaking employee in this whole company. I'm going to work to satisfy this mission and try that for six months. Go all in. This company went all in on you. Go mm-hmm. all in back. Give them that much dignity and respect for six months and see if it doesn't change your entire well-being. And if you've created a life for yourself that you can't afford, whether it's a mortgage, whether it's car payments, whether it's whatever it is, your body is going to respond anxiously all of the time, and you're going to be trying to solve that anxiety everywhere. Have you done that? Yeah, I I get into that – I get into those thought processes and it's like, Oh, I can start this business or I'm like constantly looking for stuff on the side of the road that I can pick up and sell for 20 bucks. And, but is that because um, you've created a life for yourself that you can't afford? We, we can afford our, um, our lifestyle. Uh, the, the mortgage is really the only debt that we have. I'm still paying off a little bit of school from when I got my, my CDL license. Um, but as far as like, we're going to lose everything in the next 30 days, if, I don't get a paycheck. Um, it's not quite to that point. Okay. That means your body is running hot right now, trying to keep you guys mm-hmm. safe. So I want you to hang on the line. I'm going to send you for free one year of Ramsey plus. That's my parent company. That's the, where, okay. I, where I work here. And we're going to, I'm going to give you all the lessons to pay off all those debts, but more importantly to give you and your wife an avenue for conversation about who you're going to be as a couple, how you're going to spend money, how you're going to budget, how you're going to work together. And that when you, when you go through a process, just how are we going to spend our money? How are we going to join bank accounts? If you haven't done that already, that happens today. How do we become one in this deal? Then you have to start planning about what tomorrow looks like. And when you start planning about what tomorrow looks like, you have to decide things like what job are you going to do and where are you going to work and who do you want to be and what do you want to do? Does that make sense? Yep. That, that makes perfect sense. You guys got to have those conversations. Your wife deserves some stability, man. And you do too. Yeah. And what's your long-term play, man? What do you want to do? What were you, what, what's, what's your purpose? Who do you want to serve? Well, ultimately, I want to serve my creator and my savior. Um, that's my number one goal. But What does that as look like as, as, as a job? I have not a clue. I've done, I worked in the golf industry as a golf professional. I've worked as a Mason. I've worked as an electrician. I was a truck driver. I've been all over the map and I barely know which way's up in, in regards to a career. Okay. And like, I'm just trying to pay the bills right now. That's right. That's right. What's underneath that? A lot of fear. A fear of what? Not being good enough. Who told you that? I don't know who told me. You, you, you do. Who was it? 
Say it out loud. It's kind of crazy to say, but my kindergarten teacher was kind of a, the first person that ever even planted that thought in my head. And I've just been repeating it over and over for the last 21 years. How did mom and dad contribute to that? Whenever I did my best, my dad always told me to go do it again. And I never really felt celebrated for the, the little wins of getting better at something. Okay. As a kid, you should have got that. And I'm not saying your dad's a bad guy. I'm saying your dad didn't have no, that. No, he's not. He didn't have that tool in his toolkit. And my guess is he was trying to push you because he wanted you to become a great man. And often men pushing other men to become great men forget that you can only become great when the bottom rungs of the needs, the hierarchy of needs are met, which are safety and yeah. relationships, right? Then you, yeah. when you are anchored in, there's a reason they send you to boot camp um, in, our, in the army, in the military, so that you can learn to follow rules and you learn to work as a team because only then can you go do great things, right? Yeah. So those things happened and here you are. Now, what you're going to have to decide to do is to get a group of guys. Are you lonely as all get out to? Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. So you have to make a conscious choice. I'm ending. I'm going to stop being lonely. I'm going to get with a group of guys, whether I'm just going to, I'm just going to invite a group of randos out from work, from my church, from the neighborhood. I don't care. I'm going to have a barbecue at my house and everyone's just going to be invited over. I don't care how this looks. You're going to have to get radical about that. The same as people get about losing weight, the same as they get about exercise programs, as quitting drinking, you're going to have to decide to quit being lonely with a radical move, okay? Okay. And I want you and your wife to sit down and say, and I want you to tell her, I understand that I have given you a life that lacks stability. And my promise is I'm going to start working to heal from the inside out, not from the outside in. And you are probably going to see her exhale in a way you haven't seen in a long time. Because here's what I guarantee she's done. She's created a cocoon of a world for her to exist in where it's safe because you're not. And your body senses that you are not connected. And it is trying to solve that because it is anxious, 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 anxious. Right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's spot on. Okay. So we're, gonna, we're going to take a knee. This is submission. And all you, by the way, pause real quick here, Patrick. All you idiots out there who are like, eh, what, you're as a simp or whatever that's supposed to be. Shut up. Shut up. Some of the most bold, masculine things you can do is to take a knee in front of your wife and say, I've screwed this up. Or I've been trying to solve this problem this way and it's not working and I've left you completely isolated and alone. And I'm sorry. I'm committed to learning new skills. And skill number one is I'm going to learn to be at peace with myself. Skill number one, two is I'm going to learn to learn to live in stability. I've never had it before. Is that cool, yeah. Patrick? Yep, that, that sounds good. Okay. Also, I want you to stay on the line. My friend Ken Coleman, who is a career guru, has a career assessment. I'm going to send it to you for free. I'm going to send you a code online. I want you to take it. Okay. Oh, I actually, I actually did take that. You uh, took it? He threw it on sale. Okay. And, um, did it help? Yeah, it did help. Um, it helped clarify some of the, the underlying frustrations that I've found with. Okay. 
those particular jobs. Very um, cool. Well, the, I, yeah, I, then I'll do this. More. I'll send you. I'm gonna send you a copy of uh, Paycheck to Purpose, his book, and I want you to read through that, and also send you his other book too. I'm gonna send you everything. Um, Proximity Principle, and that will walk you through. Here's where we go next. But that is for you to read and ponder and read with your wife and get some feedback, get some friends who will speak into your life. Before I took this job, I flew to Texas and met with some of my oldest friends in the world because I, I get, get emotional. I get anxious. I get wound up. And a good leader, which is I'm trying to lead a business. I'm trying to lead my units. I'm trying to lead my family um, or co-lead my family with my wife. Like, a good leader takes feedback and wisdom, especially in the fog of war. I flew to Texas, met with some friends, and I asked them, hey, I've been working for 20 years to get to this one, one place in my career, and I finally got there, and I'm thinking about quitting it to go be a YouTuber. And I took their wisdom, and they all laughed and smiled and opened a drink, and we talked and cracked up, and then they said, hey, this sounds crazy, and this sounds right. And that's what I needed. I needed some perspective and some sobriety. Not literal sobriety, but sobriety. So I want you to get some friends and have those conversations about work and purpose and value. But you're not going to find it, man. Someone's going to bring you in and pay you a million dollars and call you CEO. And you're still going to look in the mirror and see that kindergarten kid whose teacher said, you'll never amount to crap. Or you'll still see that seventh grader who gets so excited that you got an 88 on that math test that you busted your butt for and your dad says, wow, it would have killed you to get two more points so you could get an A. Or you're always just going to be a B student. Until you let that kid be free, the kid's going to be trying to solve the problems, man. And money and titles won't fix them. Start with your home. Start with your wife. Start with your relationship. Start with y'all's identity. Start with you deciding you want to be well. And man, you got a whole runway ahead of you into a radical new life. It's going to be incredible. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Let's go to Amanda in Madison, Wisconsin. What's up, Amanda? Hi, John. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, the, I, I'm, the running a, I'm running a scam. They call a podcast here, so I can't really talk. <laughs> I'm having fun. So what's up? The reason I'm calling you today is because I'm trying to figure out how to help best my son or how to best help my son, who is, um, he's a sixth grader, first, you know, first year in middle school, and he's experiencing some like on bouts of on and off anxiety to the point where it's like manifesting in physical like headaches and feeling sick and things like that, where it, he's having a hard time getting through his day. And I'm trying to figure out how to help him get through these, these things that he's going through. Is this new or has this been going on a long time? It has been going on the first, the first time it kind of came up was over the summer. He really wanted to play tackle football with his friends. And we got him into that. And after a couple of weeks, he was getting um, physical, like hip pains or back pains where he felt like he couldn't practice. He was couldn't play in football. And, you know, so I'd take him to practice to let him watch and learn still. But still, then the coaches were saying that he was, you know, screwing around or playing, on, playing around on the sidelines and, and doing things that if he's, you know, he's 
not appearing to be actually hurt. Um, and so then I was able to figure out from him after some conversations that he was scared about getting tackled and getting hurt mm-hmm. at football practice. And we were able to then work through those issues with the coaches and, you know, with some extra time with the coaches, he was able to work through that and finish the season. But he, yeah, so that, that's another instance where he had like, I don't know if it's a, if that was anxiety or if mm-hmm. it was just fear or if it, I don't yeah, parenting's uh, hard, man. It's so hard. <laughs> you, I mean, you nailed it. I, I I don't see a lot of utility in trying to parse the difference. Okay, um, whether it's fear or anxiety and what type of anxiety it is, um, sometimes it's helpful to name the dragon. But generally speaking, your son's body is telling him to opt out of a situation, and right. it has determined that going to school is not a safe situation. It's determined that playing football is not a safe situation. And since he doesn't seem to be able to get the signals, it's going to start manifesting pain and hurt and all kinds of things that have a weird self-reinforcement to them because that's when people lean in and say, are you okay? And they listen to him and they hear him and his body goes, oh, thank God. And I'm seen and I'm heard finally. And then it reinforces, okay, that's how we get that sort of connection there. So backing out, um, these are always hard questions and they're not supposed to be accusatory, okay? This is just data collection. Do you and your husband have anxious tendencies? Do you, like, where is, where is this anxiety coming from? Did he get hurt somewhere? Did he watch one of his football friends just get leveled? Is he getting bullied at school? Where does this originate from? I I don't personally suffer from any like anxious tendencies. My husband does. Okay. Um, he did see one of his teammates get hurt at football practice. Okay. And that kind of, I think where some of that stemmed from Sure. at school, he was diagnosed last year with dyslexia. Okay. Um, and so he had struggles with keeping things straight in his mind and gets, gets overwhelmed when he, because they use Google Classroom and so he can see all the different assignments that they're going to work on for that mm-hmm. given day. And then he sees how many he's got and then he gets overwhelmed of, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. Well, but also with um, dyslexia, he gets a reinforcement on a daily basis that he's stupid. And that, he's, and that he's different. I think he does. I bet he does. One of the most common responses I've had with Young, working with young people with dyslexia is a reinforcement that everybody's going faster than they are and that it's become something's wrong with them. And it's a message that schools pass along, not unintentionally, maybe not with your particular son, man, I've just heard that over and over and yeah, over I, again. And that was something that I worried about getting, you know, cause I had him assessed for something, you know, just because I knew he was struggling and I wanted to know why I wanted to know what it was and I wanted to know how to help him. And the dyslexia diagnosis was at least something to be like, okay, now we let's, how do we work around this? And it hasn't been anything that I've noticed that he, he's, he's been able to really adapt to it and work around it. But, But he's not, he's not, his body's not. This isn't an intellectual exercise. His body is telling him he's not okay. Okay, how do I help him? Let me ask you this. What's do I your, need to get him into a therapist? Or? What's, your, what's your husband's avoidance strategies when he gets anxious? How does he get out of situations? 
Um, he when he does when he's uncomfortable, he pretty much just quits. So he exits the building. Yeah. Okay. Children are unable to do that because they don't have car keys and they don't have control and they don't have autonomy. And so kids' bodies revolt. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I just want you to think of your son as a little boy whose body is telling him he's not safe and he can't leave. And I'm not saying to run and leave, okay? What we're, right. So let me back out this way. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to believe him, okay? Believe mm-hmm. him that he hurts. Understand that um, some folks have really tall kids. Some folks have short kids. Some folks have kids with lots. <laughs> My friends used to make call me guaca when I was a kid because I had lots of moles, right? Some Like whatever, dude. Like there's all kinds of things that, parents like their kids are born with you your kid might have a a heightened um a heightened sensitivity in his amygdala that doesn't mean he's sensitive and not like that just his body experiences things in an amplified way particularly anxiety that's it right his amygdala is uber reactive that's all okay so what we're going to teach him over a period of time is when that system goes off and says, you're not safe. Every kid watched their buddy get smashed on that football field. Your kid's alarm system was just louder than theirs. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to teach him both and. And it's going to be really tough. Because his brain has to learn that this is the alarm system and we can do it anyway. And not only can we do it anyway, but on the other side of doing it and accomplishing it and and getting these little wins, it's going to feel infinitely better than the cheap wins we're getting every time we avoid something. Accomplishment is going to feel better than this headache. Does that make sense? Yes. And so what does care look like in your home? Or let me ask this direct. Do y'all have special time where you have one-on-one time where there's 30 minutes and there's no phone and you ask him how his day went, you'll color together, you'll draw together, you'll do Legos together. Do you have any type of system like that? We typically on the weekends, we'll do like family game night or something like that. I mean, it's not an every, we don't get time every day to do something, but we usually on the weekends are able to set some time and do family game nights. Okay. So there's this, it's out of the conscious discipline literature, but it's called two good choices. And we're going to teach this young man some autonomy, but it's going to be bounded autonomy, meaning you're going to give him a couple of ideas. And I want you to, and your husband to make some schedule, some time in your schedule, three times a week, not including the weekends. It could be breakfast time. I take my son to breakfast once a week. Is it convenient? No. Do I have time for it? Really? No. It's become one of my favorite moments of my life. And sometimes we only get 30 minutes at Waffle House. I get 30 minutes of time with him and diabetes, but we go, right? We do it every, every once a week, but I want y'all to pencil in 30 minutes where there is no phones, there's no screens, there's nothing but connection. And I want you to give him, do you want to do Legos together or do you want to do fill in the blank together? And he gets to pick which one of those things he gets to enter into. 
And you're not going to try to solve anything. You're not going to try to coach him on anything. You're just going to practice being with. And my guess is, it's a crazy guess, but my guess is over time, his body's going to, oh, I don't know how that, I didn't know how that felt. That feels really good. I like this relationship connectivity. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. And in the meantime, if he doesn't want to play football, that's fine. Um, my friend Lane Norton just won world championships in weightlifting. If him and I were working out together and he lifted his reps and I got under the bar, I'd have to take a lot of weight off because I'm just not that strong yet. <laughs> yet. You like how I did that? I'll never be as strong as, as Lane. <laughs> yeah. um, but I would have to take some weight off because I'm not there yet. I'm practicing, training. And similarly, he's in sixth grade. He's got a potentially a very reactive amygdala. Great. If he comes home and says, whoa, I just saw one of my classmates get decleated and his nose got broken and I don't really want to play football anymore, say, okay, you have to choose because we're going to do one outdoor thing. You got to pick one thing and you can choose from soccer or baseball, but you're going to do a thing, but you don't have to play football and we're not cashing out. We're not wimping out. We're not, he's got to choose another activity. He can't just go home and play video games or whatever. But we're going to slowly teach him that, okay, you're learning. We're going to practice something else then. And we're just going to do that with, if he gets an 88, that's fine for now, right? What is he nervous about at school? Um, like, what's the failure he's sensing there? Why is his body not want him in that building? I haven't been able to really pinpoint. I think it's just the, the overwhelm, like, because he's being graded for real now on classes. Like, he can get he can get an F, he can fail stuff for like, um, yeah, but where does he get the fine. sense that a failure is the end of something? Is that from you and your husband? I, is that, I put a lot of pressure on my kids to do well academically. So I'm not saying it's a bad I, thing. I mean, is that from y'all? Is it I, from school? Where's that from? I'm not sure. I mean, we, we don't, we don't, um, pressure him to get like, he doesn't have to be a straight A student. We, we always have always taught our kids to, you know, just try your best. And if that's the best that you, you can do, then as long as you tried your best, we're okay with that. He's actually getting, he's actually a straight A student. Um, but so he's, he is smart. He's not, um, he's not failing. It's just, I don't know if the pressure of, I, I don't know. I don't know why he is so afraid of his grades or having late homework, you know, if, if he has something that he doesn't get done in class and he ends up having to take it home to do homework, it gives, he just worries about it. Okay. And I don't know why. My guess I've is. I've always been able to help. I've always been able to help him do his homework at home and we always get it done. But like when he's at school and it's not done, he worries about it. Yeah. That sounds so environmental. It sounds so environmental. I, I, I would I would strongly recommend um, you you go with him and don't ship him off to a counselor. Just go sit and see a counselor, but you go with him. Because I think right. what I'm guessing is there are some strategies inside your home that when he gets home, there is a there's a heightened level of tension there. And it could be from husband. It could be from 
um, the way he is perceiving things. It could be from you. It could be from any number of things. But somehow he has picked up, his body has picked up the, and overamplified these signals that he's not safe. And it's going to give him a stomach ache. It's going to give him a headache. It's going to give him these things, right? I think seeing a counselor would be wise because it, it, hearing it from a third party adult who is trained at listening and being quiet and leaning in and making connections with a kid. Um, they may even have him do, he's sixth grade, so they may have him do some play therapy, maybe a little bit aged out of that a little bit, but maybe not. Um, but another adult might be able to give him some strategies, give you some strategies, give you all some new language together. But I'm going to double back. My guess is this is a highly, highly relational. I'd want to know if he's getting bullied at school. If school is somehow unsafe, I would really have a counselor dig into the dyslexia and how that makes him feel in relationship to his other classmates. Um, and it may be that dyslexia was part of the diagnostic and there's more, there. who knows? But I want to start at home with the things you can control. And that is, I'm going to put everything away. I'm going to create space in my day. And by the way, I'm not going to say, I've made time for you. No, we're not going to do that. I'm just going to create space. An anxious kid is highly, highly perceptive for safety. And I want you to create as safe as environment as possible. And that's going to come from presence. So let's start there. Let's get him into a counselor. Um, your, let me say it this way. Your kid's not broken. He's not broken. Let's give him some autonomy to make some choices about an outdoor, out, an outdoor activity. Um, about does he want to do this homework right now? Or does he want to do that? Let's give him, teach him autonomy. Let's teach him slowly how to do hard things. And a good counselor is going to help you all walk through re, basically retraining his brain, neurological training for feeling that alarm go off really loud, louder than his peers, and still heading in and getting those accomplishments. But screaming at him, beating him up, and I know you don't do those things, but that doesn't help. That is, that is not a thing. And it may be time for dad to work on his anxiety too because there's going to come a point if he's not there already where your son's going to feel responsible for making sure dad doesn't feel anxious and that is a burden that no sixth grader no kid can carry thank you so much for your call and for loving that kid man we'll be right back it seems like everybody is talking about how crazy the housing market is right now and how powerless home buyers feel Mix that with the stress of moving and life change and job change, and you've got a tornado of anxiety fueling one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make. This is not a good idea. So if you're a new home buyer right now, my advice to you is to focus on what you can control, like the people you choose to help you in the home buying process. You need folks like my friends at Churchill Mortgage. Churchill is a Ramsey trusted provider that's been helping people with their home mortgages for decades decades and their home buyer edge program will help you skip a bunch of the stress. Here's how it works. Apply to become a Churchill certified home buyer and cap your interest rate for 90 days. Then you'll get a $5,000 seller guarantee to help your offer stand out. So go ahead, take a deep breath because Churchill has your back. Check them out at churchillmortgage.com slash Deloney and get the home buyer edge today. All right, we are back. Hey, John. Yes, ma'am. So I was listening to that last call, and I really related with her a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, having 
I like how you said that. I was listening to that last call. Good, because you're producing the yeah. show. I'm so, glad, hey, glad for, you're listening. What? I was listening to this call. You do a great job. I don't usually <laughs> listen, but you do a great job. Glad you're listening. Makes me no, happy. I was just so kind of this is to her. I'm, I'm a few years farther down the road than she is mm-hmm. uh, with this. And some of the things you said that really, really hit that I wanted to make sure that that she really heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we have a child. Um, he's almost 17 now. Mm-hmm. And um, middle school was a rough go, more with attitude, not grades or anything like that. But come to find out, he first of all, he was being bullied. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Nathan has CP, minor mm-hmm. CP, and he struggles with some... Um, he struggles with some work. He's got some eye issues and there's just a few things. And the worst thing you can be at that age is different. That's right. You know? And so I was at that point, no, he's fine. Everything's fine. He's going to be in the normal classes and it's fine. And he doesn't need the IEP. Mm. Those who know what that is, know yeah. what it is. And all, I was so adamant that he was going to be normal, quote unquote normal, that I know I did him a disservice. Uh. And it was when I, we got him into counseling because he was having some rage issues. Uh-huh. And um, we have chaos in our house. You talked about it at the house, sure. you know, with our other child, we have some chaos in our house. And so, <laughs> duh, he had some issues with it, right. you know. But we, and when we took him to counseling and the counselor was able to get a little hard with us about what diff services we were doing right. to him. And then, you know what? These are real legit issues and they have to be dealt with. Right. And how it just it changed everything in our house. And he still goes to counseling. Yeah. He's been going since the fifth grade to the same guy. <laughs> and it's great because it's a, someone he can talk to. It's an adult he can talk to, yeah. An adult. But, but you, so it's important to hear that in this particular uh, caller, that young man gets headaches, right? Or gets stomach, or, like he just, I don't feel good. That same manifestation, that same shaking of the snow globe, your son had rage. Right. Yes. Some kids shut down. Some kids set things on fire. Some kids go get straight A's. Mm-hmm. It's that body's response to we're not safe. We got to fix this now. And I wonder how much in your home, like the tension, as you're describing that, we're going to be normal. He's going to be in these classes. That creates a environment that his body feels like it's got to solve because mom is really, she's going to war for me. Right. Right. And like, and so it was. That last caller, when I said, hey, kids with um, dyslexia struggle with, and the first answer was, not him. He's fine. And I want to say, oh, he's not, right? He knows he's different. And he knows that all of his classmates are buzzing through these things. He also knows, don't tell mom. Because that, create, right? So it creates this thing. What What is a way, because I struggle with this. Um, maybe I just need to get over it, man. That's what I've signed up for. I like to be really direct and tell people the truth, but they're especially with moms, but sometimes with dads, the shame and the guilt is so overwhelming that it just shuts down. Um, I don't think there is a way beyond just being direct because we have to create a place where where we don't take that on as shame and guilt. We just you 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 use the tools you've got. You said that earlier in a call that wasn't in his toolkit. Mm. Well, until I learned, you know, until you learn and then you do better. Gotcha. But so we have to be, we have to create an environment where, yeah, it's hard to hear, but now do something about it. It's, and don't take it personally. It's not a shame thing. It's not you're doing it wrong. So let's try this and see if it works better. You thought a hammer was the right tool for this. It's right. not. Get a screwdriver. Yeah, when you're a, ha- when, you know, <laughs> yeah. when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Gotcha. And so it's, 
it's not shame. It's just learning. Yeah. We're all, hey, like she said parenting's hard. It's hard. It's so Gosh, hard. Gosh, it's hard. That's right. Um, I can't think of a better alarm system than your kids' alarm systems to everybody listening. If your kids' bodies tell them they're not safe somewhere, listen to that and begin, take an honest assessment. How is dad contributing to this? How's mom contributing to this? How are we, how's our dynamic contributing to this? Is my kid getting bullied at school? Is my kid not, like, where is this coming from? And let's focus less on his fear, anxiety. Let's focus more on how can we help this young man's, young daughter's bodies feel safe? And what does that look like? And it might mean, man, I'm not going to play football this this spring. <laughs> fine. Good grief. Fine. Um, you're going to do something. Cool. I know you don't feel good when you go to school. You're going to go to school. Do you want me to drive you or do you want to take the bus? And if we can't, that you're going to go to school and you're going to take the bus. Um, do you want me to put a note in your lunch or do you want me to put a note in your bag? Because I'm going to tell you every day that I love you and I want you to have this note that you can look at when you're in school. So which one of those do you want? And we're going to slowly lean in and teach autonomy. And um, it's a tough go of it. I'm convinced that over time when the a kid's ecosystem becomes safe, their bodies are like, cool, we don't have to go to war anymore. And um, man, y'all done must have done a great, because I've been around Nathan. He's awesome. Just a stuck, incredible kid, man. It's awesome. He's a pretty good kid. We like him. Well... Way to fix it all. <laughs> I didn't say we fixed it all. <laughs> all right, let's go to uh, Breck in St. George, the Utes. What's up, Breck? Oh, hey, Dr. John. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Well, I'm trying to do better. That's why I'm calling, I guess. Hey, me too, man. Me too. So what's yeah. up? So um, I had a situation in my marriage like six months in. I, I like fell back into porn. And I came forward to my wife and I explained to her that, you know, this has been going on since my teenage years. And it's always been like, you know, a week on and then several months off. And, you know, it's been even a couple of years in between, you know, times that I've fallen into it. So I tried to explain it to her. It's like, I don't know why, you know, I'm just this little rubber band and I keep snapping back and I trying to cut it and, you know, set myself free. But, um, I've really connected with her and really tried to be open and honest with her with where I'm at. But, you know, with that, I know that feelings of self-image and, and, and um, lack of trust kind of start creeping in. And so I'm really struggling with like feelings of frustration from constantly asking to trust me and just, I just feel like I'm like spinning my wheels, you know? Um, so what what have you, what have you done different? So, I've never, I've never really had a support person, you know, it's always been like, I would tell my parents, you know, growing up, Hey, I did this. And they'd be like, well, don't fix it. You know? So so listen, 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 listen. If I'm her, there's a value in my home that me and my brand new husband agreed on. And then my husband came to me and said, Hey, I violated this value. I'm coming forward. I'm being honest about it, which is noble. Good for you. And then it's followed up with, yeah, this has just been a thing I've been dealing with since I was little, since I was real young. And it just keeps coming back. And um, I don't want it to be there, but it just keeps coming back. So, all right. Uh, don't judge me and don't hold me accountable to it. And don't get mad at me. Let's go get uh, some pancakes. 
That is very different than enough is enough is enough. I'm going to go join an essay group. I'm going to go join a uh, any number of groups that meet all over the United States. Um, a celebrate recovery group, any, any number of things. I'm going to go see a counselor. I'm going to go get very serious about this. And you haven't done that, which tells me, I mean, you like the idea of not having these week-long shame spirals, but you also like the idea of having like a week-long binge. Fair? I don't know. I'm, I'm absolutely terrified of falling back. I know, but not terrified enough to do something. You're just sitting there being terrified. Mm. Which, in a crazy twist of fate, the more wound up you are, the more white knuckling you do, the more you slowly grind off your ability to make good decisions. And you burn the edges off and you burn the edges off and you know what makes everything feel better? <sighs> connected relationships. And you don't have that. You know a cheap substitute for a connected relationship? Pornography. And so you, by not being willing to go meet with some people and say, hey, this is me and I've struggled with this for a long time. Um, how are you guys doing? My name's Breck. I'm struggling. How are you this week, Breck? Good. I had a good week. How are you this week, Breck? I, I, I fell off, man. I didn't do so well. Or I haven't looked at pornography, but I've been, I ate four large pizzas this week and I'm struggling with my diet. Like whatever the thing is, if you don't have that, your body's going to go get it. It's going to get it in the quickest, easiest way possible. So you can say you're terrified to not, to, to fall back into this thing, but you're not terrified enough to do something. So if I'm your wife, I'm just watching a lot of lip service. And then you tell me you've been lip servicing this for a long, long time. And nothing's changed. And so she's looking at her future like, well, I guess it's just going to be my marriage. And so I actually think she's right to keep asking you or to not trust you because you're not giving her any alternative actions. Well, to we, trust. I mean, at, at first when at first when I told her, you know, she was very sweet about it. And and, you know, we we sat down. I I went to a counselor and I just kind of tried to identify like triggers and we set up a plan and I keep a little note in my wallet and, and we have an agreement that it, it was, it was after a big argument and that I just felt inadequate that I just wanted to almost hurt myself mm -hmm. with it. And, and so the, you know, our form of dealing with that is no matter what, like if we have an argument, she can just say, Hey, leave your phone and I'll go out of the room and, and just kind of decompress and, and sit there and, think about and kind of cool down but i didn't get that it, she'll say leave your phone and you just leave your phone yeah yeah at any time she just says hey leave your phone here and so she'll i'll give it to her and then i'll just go off and be in a room alone and try and cool down you know because it's it's always been like from an argument or from like a depressive episode that i oh then oh, okay i see what you're saying so you have yeah. a trigger and the trigger, as you're describing it, is a it's a fracture in a relationship. Your body feels unsafe. And a way that soothes that discomfort is pornography, right? I think so. Yeah. And dude, you're not weird. 
know what I mean? You're not like no. there's millions and millions and millions and millions of, of men and women in your exact situation. In fact, what makes you kind of weird is that you don't want to that to be your default setting anymore. And so what I would challenge you on is identifying the trigger. All you're looking for is space here between stimulus and response. Okay? Yeah. You cannot just withdraw an activity, withdraw a coping mechanism, and not establish something else in its place. Addiction doesn't work like that. So you can't just pace around the house in a minute until the urge passes. You're going to have to sit down and write something. You're going to have to go for a jog. You're going to have to call a friend. You're going to have to call a sponsor and get the relational connectivity there. That makes sense? Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I've made, it, made changes, but what you're saying is like that feels like it's the final kicker. And so, I, I don't know. I just have been feeling like, almost an imposter because I'm saying, Hey, you know, this is what happened. I've made changes and I feel like this is where I'm at now, but I don't want to like minimize what I did or minimize the, you know, the breaking values there. I just, there's no sense in going backwards, dude. Yeah. That's you beating yourself up. And at some point, probably not just yet, but at some point your wife's going to have to decide to stop hedging her bets by calling this back in, calling this back in, calling this back in. Because she's going to try to keep herself safe by keeping some moral high ground. And I'm sure she's not perfect either. And she's going to have some, this is going to be a way she can, like a stepping stool, if you will, in a raging river. And it will make her feel like she's above the fray a little bit. It's going to keep her safe. And she's going to have to choose to be vulnerable again if this marriage is going to work also. Both of you are. Yeah. But how do I, how do I ask for that? You, you know, can't. That's for her. Yeah. She's going to have to choose to open herself up to get hurt again. Just like you are. But I yeah. think you have not got radical enough. You're an alcoholic who has just kept a few bottles of whiskey just in case relatives come over. Cut the internet off, dude. Get rid of your phone. Get a flip phone that you can't text on. And you're going to lose friends. Get rid of all social media. Put blocks on. Get rid of it. Pour the whiskey down the sink. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you haven't been willing to do that. Which means I, she has to try to stay safe. And so I'm actually on her side right now. Yeah, and I'm... Like I'm on her side too because I sometimes I just feel like feel like crap. But well, do something, do something. You feel like crap because you're just you're in a you're in a you're in a cognitive loop, man. You're just in, a, in, in you're on a mental treadmill. You're just like a a, a, a a mental like mouse on a wheel, just running, and you're trying to solve it by thinking about it. Stop thinking. Go do. Go to Academy this afternoon or to Walmart or something and get a couple of dumbbells and put them in your garage. And when you have an urge, put your phone, turn it off, and then go downstairs and do 15 minutes or 10 minutes or something. Or go buy a pair of running shoes and go for a jog to the end of your block. 
You've got to put some things, some new behaviors that are going to be positive. Go to a group. Get somebody you can call. Take action. Do you hear me, man? Yeah. Take action. Like, take action. Take action. Take action. You I know like what to do. Yeah, I know. I feel like that's the biggest need in my life is I'm just kind of waiting. And I, and I see that it's kind of bled into other areas of my life. I but, know it has. You know. I know it has. And you think that your marriage challenges, you think your wife is um, not super into you right now because of the pornography. It's not. It's because she's finding out that she might be married to like a wet piece of toast. Mm. Right? Yeah. And here's what pornography gives you. Can I be honest with you? It makes sure. you feel a little bit more alive. Fair? Yeah, that's fair. Create that aliveness in your own life, brother. You only get one shot at this thing. Yeah. Right? What makes you alive? Go, go. Just start rattling off the top of your head. What makes you alive? Just being outside. Okay, like, what else? You know, what else? You're one of the most I beautiful like, parts of the United States for being outside. <laughs> what else? I like exercising. I've been getting into biking. I just, what else? Know, we're new to the area, so I just don't have any friends. I need friends. Okay, get, there you go. Get them. Get them. <sighs> right? Yeah. Yeah. There's some weird St. George biker club out there. I, uh, mountain <laughs> biker club. I know there is. I know there million. is. There's yeah. probably a hundred of them. And you're going to show up to one and they're going to be too good. And you're going to show up to another one and it's going to be a bunch of like old women. And you're going to be like, probably not, probably not for me. <laughs> you're going to find them and they're going to be there. And there's, I guarantee you there's Celebrate Recovery groups in your area. Guarantee. Yeah. Go, go, go. You get one shot at this life, man. Fair? Yeah, absolutely. No, you're like, nah, okay, absolutely. No, go. <laughs> Are you in? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, yes. Okay, enough. Enough of the, well, I'm just here and I just don't want to do this anymore. Don't, don't. Make it different. Make it different. Make it different. Today, you're going to get a note card out and you're going to write down for the next five days. Nope, the next seven days. You're going to write down your daily routine. When I wake up, what I'm going to have for breakfast, the supplements I'm going to take, the exercise I'm going to get, going to work, the connection I'm going to have with my wife, the things I'm going to do, I'm going to make dinner. I, here's the things I'm going to do. And no matter what, no matter what, come hell or high water, you're going to check off everything on that list. And you're probably going to add four or five things to every list too. Put them on there anyway and check them off. We are practicing a different way of doing life. And in every one of those days, every day, you're going to do at least one thing where you're going to reach out and connect with somebody else. Whether that's at work, it's a group of strangers, it's just going to the, to the bike rider park. I don't know what y'all bike riders do. I'm not that talented. I'll fall off and, and eat it. I break a bone or two. But get out and get connected. Go, go, go. My brother, you're worth it. And everybody listening, stop thinking about everything so much. Go do Go do. Change your life. Go. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me 
and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, I guess during that last call at some point, Ben, would I say you only get one shot? Yeah. Do not miss your chance to blow. (laughs) Opportunity knocks once in a lifetime. You better. So, of course, during the break, they brought me in. Eminem's classic, Lose Yourself. And it goes like this. Look, if you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted, in one moment, would you capture it or let it slip? Yo, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already, mom's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud, he opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking. How? Everyone's joking now. The clock's run out, time's up, over. Plow! Sometimes you just got to step back to reality. Open up. Oh, there's gravity. You got to lose yourself in the music, the moment. You own it. You only get one shot, America. (laughs) That sounded awesome. Hey, I love you guys. See you soon.